0: This is attorney Elizabeth Potts-Weinstein, and you are listening to Legal Lucidity, the podcast for small business owners and entrepreneurs to give you the legal news and updates and trends to help you grow your business. So today we are talking about copyright law, and you may not think that copyright law is very important to you if you don't think of yourself as an artist or a creator, but Every business is generating some kind of content that is subject to copyright law, even if it's just your blog posts or something simple that you're creating for your marketing. Today, specifically, we're going to be talking about the latest court cases and changes in copyright law. We're going to be looking at Google versus Oracle, which is a case that came out last year. We're going to be looking at the Katy Perry dark horse case, and we're going to be looking at a case about Warhol's Prince silkscreen portraits. Copyright law changes on a regular basis because it is interpreted by the courts. Like many things in the United States, laws are typically statutes created by Congress, laws that apply to the entire United States. But those laws tend to be a little bit vague or not descriptive enough. And so then courts interpret those laws and the courts come out with changes all the time because new facts happen. So let's take a step back and look at what is copyright law. So we'll make sure we're all on the same page. Copyright is a right that attaches to works that ha- that you create that are artistic as soon as you memorialize into it them into a tangible format. So memorials in tangible format doesn't mean they have to be physical. It can totally be electronic. You can register your copyright with the US Copyright Office, and that gives you more rights, especially if you do it within the first three months of when you create your work. But you automatically get some copyright rights as soon as you create your artistic thing. And it doesn't need to be artistic like a painting or a sculpture. It can simply be copy for your website. It doesn't have to seem very artsy to have copyright law rights attached. But just because you have a copyright over your work doesn't mean no one else can ever use it. There's a doctrine called fair use that applies to give people the right to use other people's work in areas that are kind of traditional for being able to use somebody else's work. So a classic example is news about something that's copyrighted. So let's say someone's going to write an article about this Andy Warhol Prince portrait that is a subject of this copyrighted dispute so they might put a really small photo of that portrait in the article just to show people what we're talking about that is a classic fair use is news about the copyrighted work as one example other classic ones are reviewing something so you're doing a book review and you have quotes from the book there are a bunch of factors that go into fair use and this is not a podcast about it but i wish want to make sure that we're all on the same page the first thing we're going to be talking about is Google versus Oracle case. And as you can imagine, this was a case that was about software. This is about software code and how much software code can you use and still have it be fair use. And how important does, does, can it be for you to be fair use as well as should it even be protected by copyright law at all? One thing to remember about this before we get into these details, is that copyright law has evolved over the last couple hundred years because technology has evolved. In the beginning, we're typically talking about books and articles and printed works. And then we went into the phase of recordings auto recordings and movies and photos and things like that. And now we're getting into a new phase in copyright law of stuff being digital, both software code, as well as all the digital versions of the earlier works. And as those technologies change, copyright law has to figure out where those things fit into the old rules. A lot of the stuff about books has been worked out. We're still working out stuff about audio and video recordings. And we definitely have not worked out the details about new stuff like software. So Google versus Oracle was about software and it was looking at two big issues This is a case before the Supreme Court last year. What is copyrightable about this computer code? And also, how much do you need to copy for it to be infringement or is it fair use? And it went back and forth in the lower courts. And this was really, really important because all kinds of people who use software wanted to know what was going to happen. What happened in as far as the facts is that Google, when creating the Android operating system, they used the Java API and Java API is owned by Oracle. Java is a computer language and they use that in Android. And obviously the Android operating system is I don't even know how many devices, billions or something of devices all over the world that use the Android operating system. So if Google was going to have to pay some kind of damages for this, some kind of royalty fee, it was going to be billions and billions of dollars. And also it meant that everybody else was going to have to pay it too, and all the other disputes that could potentially happen where people have used the Java API. The Supreme Court did not rule on whether or not the API was actually copyrightable because they found that it was not infringement. Now, to be honest, I think that's kind of a backwards way to look at it. I think you actually should should rule on whether or not it's copyrightable because it's not copyrightable. It's definitely not infringement, but I am not in charge of the Supreme Court on many, many levels. So is it infringement? The court said, no, it is fair use. Now, one of the things is that they used a very small amount of the overall Java code. The API code that they used, it was 11,000 lines, and that sounds like a lot but it was only—it less than half of a percent of the entire code base. So it was a very small amount. The reason this kind of stuff is really important is because it would widely impact that market. It would widely impact people being able to use other APIs. Oracle's Java system is very closed versus a lot of more open source systems. And when people have used Java, they were going to have to pay a lot of licensing fees beyond what they thought where they were going to have to do. The courts don't just limit these cases to the specific facts. While fair is definitely involves a lot of facts every single time the courts look at it, they also look at other cases and see what other things have happened. And we shall see if some future court says whether or not this stuff is copyrightable at all. And typically what it is, is that it is, is it creative? Is it actually a really creative work? when it is so functional. Can something be both functional and creative? And To a certain extent, yes, but what the scope is of that is something that is is regularly being debated. So now let's look at Katy Perry's Dark Horse Case. This is also looking at what is copyrightable. How much of something needs to be there? How original does it need to be? How creative does it need to be? So this dispute is between a song about called Dark Horse by Kitty, which is a Katy Perry song and a song called Joyful Noise. And there were eight notes that were patterned in the song. It wasn't exact cop, like copy, okay? And it may be that whoever came up with it for the Katy Perry song never even heard of this other song. But was it similar enough? Also, is just eight notes something that has enough copyrightness attached to it? someone to get in trouble for using it and they also the court also looked at this is the ninth circuit um which is the court level that's below the supreme court in the united states the Ninth Circuit was also looking at does it even are the things that are being used just standards in the industry common things that everyone uses such that the one person who used these specific combination it's not original because everybody uses that kind of stuff the court said that you need a modicum of creativity even though the original expression requirement originality requirement is fairly low it still needs to have some creative aspect for that little piece that you are claiming copyright on and the court said in this case in the Ninth circuit that it didn't now by the way the lower court in district court when it went to trial the jury awarded a 2.8 million dollars Of damages, so how these kinds of lawsuits work in the United States is that there's a first a trial court that has a trial before a jury and the jury decides. That can get overturned by judges who say that no jury should reasonable jury should ever found this or they overturn on a matter of law. And a lot of times, what the jury does is radically different than what the higher courts do, and that juries can have a trend to award damages that from a legal aspect do not make sense. The third thing I want to talk to you about today is about transformation. The Andy Warhol-Prince dispute is a common thing that I see artists doing. I've had some clients do this and we've talked about it, where there's some artistic work and you're doing something that incorporates it in a different media. So maybe there's a... In this case, a photo that someone makes a a art out of. They someone may has a photograph, and then they make a portrait. Or it could be that there's a portrait, and then you make a photograph. Or it could be that there's a picture, and you make a different picture. The idea is is that you're making a transformation, and should that be allowed? Is it transformative enough? In this case, they looked at. What is the meaning or message as being part of whether or not this is going to be fair use? Is it transformative? Is what you're doing have a different meaning, have a different message than the original work? It seems to if that's what's going to make it be fair use. If you're transforming it such that it has a completely different meaning, has a completely different message than the original work, that deserves you to be able to do that versus someone who's just taking a picture of a picture and then it's almost the exact same thing. Now this case has been. Is up before the Supreme Court is not decided yet and they haven't even set oral arguments before the Supreme Court this is going to be an interesting issue in the future of what is transformative especially in the day where people take someone else's you know Instagram post and then do some Photoshop on it and then use it and sell it in a museum for a bunch of money These kinds of transformations, how transformed does something need to be before someone else can use someone else's stuff, which is important for the original creator and important for the secondary creator who wants to create new work incorporating someone else's work. If you're thinking of using something that is potentially protected under copyright law in some work that you're doing, figuring out whether or not something satisfies fair use is a bit of a mess there are very few times where it is a slam dunk like the typical review news thing it tends to be relatively simple to decide but there are a lot of times that if you have some kind of use that is commercial use because it's part of your business and you're trying to use this work is it going to be fair use is not something that we're going to ever be a hundred percent sure about we're making our best guess and then we're also looking at who owns the copyright and how litigious are they sometimes If this photo is owned by Getty, I'm going to say, look, you know, unless we have a slam dunk case, we do not want to mess around because Getty will come after you. They, they will come after you and they will, they have registered the copyright and they will come after you for statutory damages and you will get a bill for $6,000 and that's going to suck because you're going to have to pay it. So that is, you know, the one scenario of the known copyright holders who go after everybody versus other situations where we're not really that worried about it. Especially if what you're doing is benefiting them. You know, you're incorporating a book the, into your system that you do of your life coaching and it's actually going to help the author because you're going to buy books that give you give to all your people and you're going to refer them to the author's work and you're not taking anything away and the author tends to like people to use their books for book clubs and whatever other things versus entities that we know are very litigious and will come after you for any kind of infringement And so if you're thinking about using some work it's you're going to really need to go into an analysis of fair use and how much you're using and what purposes you're using it for and do some research who actually owns it to decide whether or not it makes sense for you to do that again this is attorney elizabeth potts weinstein and you've been listening to the legal lucidity podcast if you would like to subscribe to the podcast you can subscribe to the audio podcast on all the various places where you can subscribe to podcasts and you can watch the podcast on youtube at elizabeth potts weinstein youtube channel thanks a lot for listening